When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Cousins is the guy for now, due to be a free agent next year. He's got plenty of leverage over the situation. But he, he says he wants to stay in Minnesota. We'll see if they can continue this relationship beyond what will be year number six in 2023. Well, I, I, again, if they're ever going to compete for a championship, they got they got to find somebody else. The question is, who do you find that is at least as good as Kirk Cousins? You don't just snap your fingers and a better quarterback shows up. No, that's the thing. Right. So build the damn team then. Build the damn team. Just build it. That's right. Welcome in here. This is Daily Vikings Entertainment, Purple Daily, where we just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. And this is it's a sad day here. We did we we did launch a new spin-off Purple Daily show called Purple Daily on Draft. And you can find Thor and Tyler Fornis with Declan every week going forward here. But this is the last reckless draft speculation on Tuesday. Because uh, you know the draft is over here. He's our guy Thor Nystrom from Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros and the Purple Daily on Draft podcast. Mister D Plus himself, hey. the, ne- the negative Thor Nystrom. Negative Nystrom. Here he is. I am purple Neg- positivity now. Zolgad right here, purple positivity. Because that guy, that guy, here's a guy. Is Mister D Plus? Oh man, they're gonna get after me, aren't they? You gave him a D Plus, dude. They should. Yeah, well, I, I had to. And I grade on a curve, right? So I have two Fs, two D-minuses, two Ds. So they weren't the worst. But they weren't you know, even the, one of the five worst, really, mathematically. Hey, no, they degrees. weren't. They, okay. they weren't. But, I, you know, Do I got to really? call them where, how I see them. And that's okay, so let's one. start here. Why do you hate the Vikings? <laughs> <laughs> and how long You're have you hated this team? Yeah, when's the first time you started feeling the hate for the Vikings? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, you got to judge the ball where it lies. And I did like some of their picks. I did for sure. But other other of their picks with very limited picks, I didn't like as much. And I'm sure we're going to get into all that. What were? Let's start. Let's start on a positive note here. What are the two? So they made six picks. They also acquired a future fifth round draft pick. What are the two things you like best about their draft? I liked how they made the decision with their first two picks. You know, they had the one on day one and they had the one on day two. I liked how they gauged the depth of the cornerback class to be able to wait on that in order to get in on the very end of the wide receiver run with the four consensus wide receivers. Three of them go ahead of you. You were in that last stop. They were obviously listening to trade calls. They let that clock bleed down. But I think they made the correct decision with that. I also liked uh, Addison's teammate that they took in the third round, Makai Blackman. I think he's a really good fit for Flores. And the last one I would say is McBride was the pick that I le- really liked on day three. I think he factors yeah. in immediately. 
So Thor, um, we now have two years of a, a pattern here. I, I think it was hard to pass judgment on Quasi's drafting after one draft, probably premature. Not that we can pass judgment completely, but let let me ask you this: How much of your grade went into his propensity? And I think that he would have preferred to do this in round one, and the coach threw himself on the train tracks. But how much of your grading goes into what is a clear propensity to trade back? Because, I mean, I think it's fair to say now, if you go to Quazy and say, hey, Quazy, I'm going to turn you loose. This draft is all yours. He's going to trade back almost every time. Yeah, I didn't mind that as much in this in this one. Uh, you know, like in the, in the third round, I believe them when they say they would have taken Makai Blackman with that higher pick mm-hmm. was in the 80s or whatever. And then they end up trading the last pick in the round with the Niners and you pick up the two extra picks. You didn't have a lot of picks. They take Blackman there. I think at least that was reading the room, which not every team in the NFL does. They'll just reach up for the guy. So I, I didn't mind that so much. And again, I, I don't mind Blackman at all. I think he's a really good fit, and I think he was worth that slot. So it wasn't so much the trades. It was some of those picks that, you know, you only have two, the two picks on the first two days. The bulk of your picks are on day three. And until we got to that McBride pick, I just disagreed with the decisions that they were making in day three, and that made up a bulk of their class. Let me let me ask you this. If uh, Let's say you were to have included – let's say they were to, instead of signing – Ivan Pace and Andre Carter as undrafted free agents. This is all semantics. Let's say they would have gotten those. Let's say they had an extra sixth and an extra seventh round pick or something. If they would have snagged those two guys and any anybody else. Because actually, didn't they also sign like a 345-pound nose tackle as an undrafted free agent too? One of those space eaters that you've been talking about for like two or three months. Yep. Does the does the undra- do, do some of these undrafted guys make up for your D-plus in your mind or not really? Well, so I do, you know, I do the draft grades, but then I do UDFA class rankings as well for fantasy pros. And the last column I do every draft season, it's called draft hall rankings, where I add both the players you get in the draft and your UDFAs, and then judge that against the draft equity that you use to acquire that class. I can say the Vikings are going to be very high in my UDFA rankings. Wow. Yeah, very high. Wow. A plus. A plus. Oh, wow. The, the Vikings absolutely <laughs> destroyed it with the UDFAs this year. Like last year, they didn't do as much. And so, you know, you're wondering, does Quasi just not care about the UDFA process? But this year, they were all over it. Pace was my number two UDFA. Uh, I was a bit lower on Carter than some others, but he was still 25th on my board of UDFAs. And the Vikings, I, the other thing I'd say, they signed nine UDFAs that were on my 500 board. Only four other teams in the NFL got to that wow. number. Dude, I mean, Pace, and you you tell us, I guess, because some of these, it's funny because some of these names, I remember as we were doing these these PFF mock simulations, and you would see Andre Carter in the middle rounds, you would see, you'd see Pace's name in kind of the fifth, sixth round, uh, the the running back McBride, he was a guy that we would sort of, oh man, in the fourth or fifth round, you know, is this the time to draft this guy? So it's funny seeing these names pop up, but Pace led linebackers in college football in pressures, he led linebackers in stop tackles. He's a little undersized, where he's like 230 pounds, and so and and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, some of the smarter uh, all 22 film studiers than me say he might have some trouble with that size getting off blocks in the NFL. But to me, he kind of looks like someone that could be in line to be a special teams ace or maybe even a starter at some point, maybe after Jordan Hicks is gone. So I I really love Ivan Pace as an undrafted free agent. 
I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I think I had him as a fourth rounder on my board. So to me, wow. it's like, you know, and maybe, you know, mid to late, but like you're picking up a free fourth or fifth rounder just by signing that kid. The NFL obviously didn't take him. You're mentioning it. It's it's the size, a little bit smaller of a tackle radius and not an elite athlete. He's just sort of an okay athlete. But just the the tape and what he put up at, at Cincinnati, his game there, he was one of the better linebackers in college football especially last year, but he's been doing this for a couple years now. So it's just one of those things of does the athletic profile and his frame, will that translate to the NFL? But I agree with you, at, and that's why I ranked him where I did. At the very minimum, he is going to be a very good special teams player and provide linebacker depth. But, yeah, I think he's got a real shot to develop into perhaps the heir apparent to Mr. Jordan Hex. What, four, uh, four picks, if I'm not mistaken, on day three, okay? Which yep. clearly is what um, what your emphasis on the D plus was day three. Why do you yep. have such a hatred for Jaron Hall? <laughs> uh, well, uh, wild inconsistencies, old, and he's inaccurate. It would be the the three answers to that. I he does have physical. Well, that's just th- like your opinion, man. I yeah. mean, <laughs> well, yeah, and ty- and and Forno told me he was crying when the pick was turned in. He was so happy. <laughs> he's like, I'm crying. This is my guy. And you're like, yeah, screw him. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, he's Forno's guy. He, he's not my guy. I think in this quarterback class, when all those guys have been taken, I think I just would have laid off and done something else at the end there. But, you know, I mean, like, I, I agree that he does have tools. He's a really good athlete. He's a multi, my, multi-sport athlete, played baseball at, at BYU, played other sports in the past as well. And he has that thing that some of the baseball players have that play quarterback that I really like, where they can throw the ball from different arm angles. Like, I always think that's cool. But, like, they need to fix his mechanics, number one. Uh, That accuracy is all over the place. And last year, it did get a little bit better, but it was on a lower A dot. Like, I think he was, like, 25th in this class in adjusted accuracy, but it was on, like, the 31st A dot or whatever. So it's like, yeah, it did improve from the year before, but the year before, it was pretty bad. But, yeah, I mean, like, he gives you the athleticism, and out to the intermediate range, he'll give you velocity on the throws. He doesn't have a howitzer, but it's like, you know, the shortstop throwing to first base. Like, he can fling that ball in, in, in the intermediate area. They just have to fix the other things. I don't know if that's possible. That's why I was a little bit lower on him. So I was digging into some of the numbers on him, just going through you know some of the like the PFF advanced analytics. So when given a clean pocket last year, Jaron Hall had the second best passer rating of any quarterback in college football behind only C.J. Stroud in clean pocket. Yeah. But the reality is, clean pocket isn't necessarily life in the NFL. You're gonna even even with the best offensive lines. You're going to have a dirty pocket or face pressure 25 to 40 percent of the time in the NFL, and uh, and when he was pressured, his passer rating dropped from like 131 down to like 45 or 49. So what 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 do you see from Jaron Hall when conditions are clean? I mean, this is kind of what we talk about with Kirk throughout the years. Kevin O'Connell did a pretty good job getting Kirk to play with a more quiet mind last year, whether that's when facing pressure or whether it's more just like the the hypothetical pressure of trailing in the fourth quarter. Um, how much can you fix a guy? And what have you seen from Jaron Hall when he struggles with pressure? Yeah. So this brings us back to Zach Wilson, the guy that he took over for. I was one of the lowest people in the media on Zach Wilson that year. And a part of it was because like people would be like, Oh, look at him. He can, you can go bombs away and look at how good he is down the field. And it's like, 
do you guys not see that he's in the pocket for six seconds every time he does that and nobody's around him and he can literally just fish for the deep ball? BYU always has a good offensive line. It did for Wilson. It, it did as well for, for Jaron Hall. And in that system, if you're not getting the pressure, and invariably they were playing worse teams, especially for Zach Wilson, but as well for, for Jaron Hall, where the offensive line is way better than the defensive line in front of it, that'll change going forward because now they're moving to the Big 12. That schedule's about to get tougher. But it, it just was what it was. And Jaron Hall didn't face pressure much in college. But when he did, his game cratered. Like, I, I think it was uh, the PFF stat, one, 173 of his 734 dropbacks over the last two years came under pressure. That's an exceedingly low percentage yeah. when you compare it to the other guys that are playing the harder schedules. And so that allowed Jaron Hall to sort of be back there, do his thing, run around, whatever, and be given all these time to make these decisions. But you saw in those instances where he did get the heat in his face, started to make wonky decisions. So, yeah, that's something else that needs to be addressed. So, Thor, I am going to, um, for a rare occasion on this show, give you the purple positivity Vikings fan response, okay? Sure. So here's wow. Here is my yeah. This is big of you, John. I know that we should almost track mark this for uh, very for future reference. Yeah, this yes. is very very rare. But I'm <laughs> but I'm going to tell you why 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 I think you might be wrong eventually. Okay. okay. Oh wow wow. Z- Zach Wilson was a very high draft pick. He was also mm-hmm. thrown onto a Jets team that had a a defensive minded coach. That doesn't mean that his st- the staff was bad, but it definitely was probably not prepared. Um, Jared Hall is a fifth round pick. He's being mm-hmm. put on, on a team with a former quarterback as coach who, who is perceived. I, I mean, at the end of the day, one of the reasons why KOC got this job was that it, it's because he was not a defensive guy like Mike was. Um, so with a year to work, because you're right. Okay. If you throw this kid in, in September, he's screwed, but with a year to work with Hall, on the mechanics, at least a year, if not more, and to smooth th- things out, and to and to use the the attributes that he does have, and combine those with mechanical changes, all of those things. I'm not saying he's going to start ever. He might be a total bust, but wouldn't you have a better chance here with the infrastructure that the Vikings have to actually potentially? get this right and don't we have to put some faith for now at least on on the fact that O'Connell definitely identified Hall as his guy and therefore thinks that he can get enough of the flaws out to make him a viable NFL quarterback perhaps not a star but a viable passer in this league some of that is fair but what I would say is as Jaron Hall doesn't have Zach Wilson's arm he just doesn't and he's three years older coming out Mm -hmm. so I mean maybe Right. Like maybe. And and if you fix the mechanical stuff, you are going to tick up the accuracy. You already have the athleticism and he does have some playmaking flair. I, I you know, the joke I made on Twitter was on his worst reps. He looks like an XFL backup or a guy that shouldn't even be on an XFL uh, roster on his best reps. He absolutely looks like a top 50 pick. And can you vacillate that or can, can you can you cut out the low side of that, make him more consistent? and only get those top 50 plays from sure. Like if you, if you can, 
then you're going to get a lot of value out of the draft slot that you did. But being older on the developmental curve, certainly the BYU staff tried that as well. Now, Jaron Hall was also playing the other sport. So maybe, maybe the idea is you take him away from that. You just have him focus on football. Now he's not throwing the ball every single time like he did in baseball. Like there was a quarterback that came out a couple of years ago that I actually kind of liked. He didn't pan out, I believe. I, I don't know that he's in the NFL anymore. But Anthony Gordon from Washington State, he was another longtime baseball player, but he could just not stop throwing the ball as a quarterback like he did in baseball. Mm-hmm. So, like, even in, in the cleanest of pockets, he was throwing that thing with this weird quarter uh, slot angle. Uh, Jaron Hall, it's not quite as bad as that, but, like, there's some stuff with that that needs to be worked out, and he needs to set his feet more. He needs to square his shoulders to the target, everything like that, throwing rhythm. Certainly Kevin O'Connell's going to help him with that. But, yeah, we, we got some work to do there. I would say, so my final thought on, on Jaron Hall, we can, we can get to some other stuff here too, but I I don't think this is the replacement for Kirk Cousins on paper if it pans out that way. I mean, these are calculated bets, right? But let's be honest. If you look at the history of quarterbacks drafted fourth round, fifth round, and later, since 2000, okay, 139 quarterbacks drafted in the fourth round or later, seven of them became multi-year above-average starters. Kirk Cousins is one of them, so the Vikings have one of them. Yeah. Another another seven or so kind of stuck around the league as good backups like Gardner Minshew, Brock Purdy is probably now in that conversation, You know, Case Keenum, guys like that. Brian Hoyer is in that conversation. But basically, 125 of the 139 are non-factors. So the, the odds of even being a guy that pops up for a year or two as a quality starter are low here. But I do agree with Judd in that this is the type of infrastructure that would potentially yield those results, much like San Francisco and Brock Purdy. If Brock Purdy goes to the Houston Texans and gets thrown in the fire, it might be a totally different story. But when you get the the offensive guru and you get great weapons and all these other things, there's a better chance. And I will say, and you can tell me if, if, if you see the same things here, Thor, I love, there's like two or three qualities about Jaron Hall that I do love that could actually be, you know, indicators that maybe he can figure some of this stuff out. Uh, he did have the third highest cognition score, the mental cognition score, so he cl- clearly can process, and he's also 25 years old, which um, you could say is bad, but you could also say, well, he's really mature. He's got He's a husband and a father, and he's an adult who's going to, he's not, like, like Zach Wilson's a kid, man. Like Zach Wilson seems like one of the least mature players in the NFL to me. Jaron Hall seems like an adult. When you watch his press conferences, Quasey said he poured over hours and hours of press conferences on YouTube. I did, too. After he was drafted, I was like, I'm going to go watch an hour and a half of Jaron Hall press conferences. And I came away thinking, this is a really mature leader-type personality here who's treating the media with respect. He's, you know, there's the anecdote from Kevin Seifert uh, from uh, the Vikings director of college scouting who said the Vikings tried to sort of bait him into throwing a wide receiver under the bus who ran the wrong route on a play. They literally showed him a play. It was like an interception where the receiver ran the wrong route, and they wanted to see if he would throw the receiver under the bus, and he didn't. He said, no, I have to make that play better. So there's some intangible things that I like, but at the end of the day, if you can't do what you need to do on a field and face pressure, then you know, you're not going to be there's Tim Tebow was a stand-up guy and a great leader, but at the end of the day, he couldn't complete a pass. Right. So you have to have both in the NFL. 
thousand percent. Yeah. And it was funny. Uh, he, Jaron Hall actually sat in the seat behind me on the airplane automobile this year uh, <laughs> for the senior bowl. He left the day before, like he did the three days of practices, but I was leaving on Friday. It turns out he was on that plane out. On I'll Friday. bet he was really respectful to all the he flight just attendants. Dropped he actually F-bombs. was. Hey, give no, me there those was, peanuts. Kicking Thor's seat. Yeah. They, they, they only have like one kiosk in the Mobile Airport where it's like the gift shop. And like they, they even have like a little like line order cook in there that, that's doing this stuff. And and I, I seen someone like out of my peripheral vision. They were like looking through like the kind bars and stuff like that. Someone bumps into him on the way. And, and the guy's like, oh, I'm like the guy who I got bumped into was like, oh, I'm so sorry. He turns around and I, I, it's funny. I was sitting across from Forno because we were on the same flight out flying back. And I was like. Is that Jaron Hall? And he turns around. He's like, "Yeah, that's Jaron Hall." And then it turns out he was on the seat by, behind me. Very, very pleasant kid. And I was happy that he hadn't read my analysis of his play in Mobile. I was like, "You're <laughs> gonna kick my seat." Yeah, it wouldn't be so pleasant. <laughs> yeah, you jerk. Oh, amazing. So, all right, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll have to see what happens with Jaron Hall here. Interesting prospect in some regards. Thor might have gone in a different direction with the draft there, but uh, on the defensive side. So let's get into some of these guys. Makai Blackman. Um, so last year, only two missed tackles, and it wasn't like he was avoiding, right? He's a, yes. He seems to be a confrontational player in a good way. Yes. Only two missed tackles all year, second highest coverage grade by any drafted quarterback behind only Devin Witherspoon, according mm-hmm. to Pro Football Focus, and when targeted in man coverage, and he was targeted only 18 times in man, and you can speak more to the scheme than, than I can, but 18 targets in man, only four catches allowed, and nine yards after the catch total. So there's yeah. some there's some interesting things about him. Some people are saying maybe he's more raw, but um, but what you know what do you see with Makai Blackman? I don't know how you can call him raw. Like another stat of him last year in this cornerback class, he was top ten in snaps in outside press man coverage, and he dominated like he did last year. You mentioned number two graded cornerback outside of Devin Witherspoon, uh, the forced incompletions, everything like that, and then absolutely he comes up and helps in the run game. And he doesn't miss when he's on the doorstep. I believe he was also top 10 in tackles in this cornerback class last year. And just like just in the aggregate. And despite that, he only misses the two tackles. So obviously he's near the top of this class as well in missed tackle, lowest missed tackle rate, whatever. But yeah, in, in coverage, I, I really like the way that that kid covers. And he reminds you of a Brian Flores cornerback, which why it wasn't a surprise they did that. Fights you off the line. Super duper feisty right from the start of the play. And then all the way down the field. Like, you're not shaking him. And the only sort of nitpick with him is he remains perhaps a little bit too aggressive as you go along in the route. Um, like, he, and he's not one of those guys that struggles to get his head around. But, like, in, I wanted him to give up on the fighting at that point and then just attack the ball. And if he does that, he's even going to tick way more up in coverage. That's really the only picadillo right now because once that ball's coming, the refs are going to start to flag you for yes. some of that stuff that, that he's doing. And he did draw a little bit of laundry last year. But, again, it's there's some guy, like, for instance, Christian Gonzalez. I was lower on him than most of the media. And the reason is I'm seeing the same thing they are with the athletic profile, with how close he sticks to guys in coverage. But Christian Gonzalez does not naturally turn his head around for the ball. He just does not have a knack for that. That's a bit of a red flag for me with a cornerback. So even if you're Adonis and even if, if you, you never give up separation – you saw a Christian Gonzalez. He gave up an excessive amount of completions and yards in college because of this. Like, even if he's close, they can just throw it and you can sort of throw the wide receiver open because he can't make the play on it. That's not Makai Blackman, but he has to stop fighting when that ball is coming. So, Thor, past uh, two drafts now, four cornerbacks. 
Booth, Evans, Blackman, and um, and Jay Ward. Jay Ward, fourth round pick mm-hmm. on Saturday. Since you studied the these four, as far as it pertains to what Brian Flores is going to do, um, who do you think is most likely to start potentially here? And the second part. Who do you think plays in, in the slot? Because the versatility now does lend itself to potentially uh, guys playing in the slot. But just from that four, who do you think best fits what Brian Flores is going to do in his 3-4 scheme? Makai Blackman. And I think Makai Blackman's starting as a rookie. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and beyond that, Ward is next, do you think? Booth? If he's healthy? Um, yeah, I mean, like in ter- well, in terms of ideology of Flores, I think Ward fits that more, just with sort of the versatility, stepping up to help against the run. But like, I wouldn't put him above my hierarchy of like Booth in terms of getting on the field. Okay. Booth certainly has the highest upside of all those guys. Okay. It's just like, have they fixed the instincts over the off season and in his first year, whatever? We'll yeah. find that out. But yeah, I put him the leader in the clubhouse for the other boundary thing. I think Murphy is going to be in the nickel role. Um, that's what they told him right away. I don't think anything that happened over the weekend changes that. And then you have Jay Ward. They got to decide what Jay Ward is. So right? Jay, like, Ward, J- yeah. Jay Ward, I just want to bring the, the stats to the table here for the audience. So Jay Ward played everywhere for LSU last year. He played yeah. 178 snaps on the outside, 230 snaps in the slot, 108 snaps in the box, basically as a linebacker or like a safety up in the box, and then 104 snaps back at free safety. What of all those things in the box, free safety, outside corner, slot, can he play all four of those in the NFL? Would you narrow down to two of them? What what would you say? Well, so I, I would have him at nickel. I, I think that's probably what he's gonna be the best at in the NFL projects the best too. But like you're wondering, yeah, like LSU, they never kept him at one spot. It was like oh, you know, they started him a bunch on the outside, uh, in the nickel and and deep, whatever, and can the Vikings find a spot for him where he's better than anyone else on the roster? Or is he just going to be like a tweener who's like at every single one of those things, he can technically do it, but he's not as good as anybody else on the roster. That's my only concern with him. But yeah, like if it was me, I would stick him in one place and try to develop him there yeah. for the NFL. And then if the rest of the stuff ends up that he has the skills to do the rest of the stuff at a high level in the NFL, sure. Then start moving him around. But like, I think that hurt his development at LSU. Like, oh, you're an outside corner. No, now you're a free safety. No, now you're the nickel guy. Oh, now we're going to use you as an extra linebacker in the box. And, like, I just don't think that helped his play, specifically in coverage. Because that's my big question with him is, at what one of these positions is he going to be good in coverage? They never found a spot for him at LSU where he was good in coverage. They really like him because he, he came up and he helped against the run, high effort player, team leader, different stuff like that. So I get all that different stuff. But if he can't cover at a high level at any one of those positions, then you just have a DB that can't cover who will help up against the run. That is a dime a dozen in the NFL, and, and they're going to be out of the NFL quick. Boys, I'm going to blow your mind with another factor here, too, that is not being discussed, and it should be. <laughs> Football. Yeah. Oh, look at this guy right now. <laughs> Jay, in my opinion, Jay Ward is g- going to be somewhat of a developmental guy. And what you just talked about will apply to Cam Bynum. I don't think he's going back to safety because oh. C-, C needs to start. Like, like the, yeah. he, he is a first round pick. If I'm crazy, the first thing I did when I talked to Flores was say, seen starting, right? Like, that's his first round pick. If he starts at safety, 
with Harrison Smith. Bynum, who played every snap, so he doesn't deserve to be benched, can play corner too. I mm-hmm. wonder, I think that there's a fighting chance that Bynum goes into the role, Thor, that you just discussed, and Ward until, un- unless there's injury problems, which there probably is going to be at some point in time, Ward fits into a backup role there. But Cam Bynum, to me, is the wild card. He's got experience. He's a nice player. But mm-hmm. there ain't no way on God's green earth if Seen shows up prepared to start that I'm going to say, hey, dude, you are still a special got team. got nothing for you. Yeah, yeah, that's a ridiculous notion. So that's what I think is the X factor is Cam Bynum playing a lot in different roles. I agree with everything you just said. Scene's definitely starting next year. And, yeah, the interesting thing becomes, what do you do with Bynum? Bynum was a really good corner at Cal in college. And we were wondering when he was coming out, like, would a team consider shifting him to safety? Because he is a really, really, really smart kid. He was one of the smartest defensive backs in that class. But then also it's like with the athleticism thing, is it better for him to be on, on the back end whatnot? But I agree with you. Like, And I think they're going to see that versatility in him. He's obviously now started at safety in the NFL, and he was a really good cornerback in the Pac-12. So, yeah, he does have sort of that, that chess piece thing or that versatility thing that Brian Flores really values. Uh, more to get here, gentlemen, but let's introduce a brand-new partner to Purple Daily and Score North. Our new friends at Power Lodge and Miller Marine. It's a marriage of throttle therapy, boys, between fun on the land and fun on the water. We had a great meeting this morning with uh, with the leaders of Power Lodge over breakfast. It was a power breakfast, if you will. And we all agree we're going to get Judd on a pontoon. Yes. It'll be, we're going to do some like purple pon, pon, pontoon purple therapy or something for people who need it. Put some sunscreen on Judd's nose and uh, push ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right, Phil. You know what? We'll, we will sail easily. And here's the thing that's great. You're on the pontoon. You are re- relaxed. And for that brief time period, evening, afternoon, guess what? You don't have to worry about playoff defeats. You don't have to fret <laughs> wide left. All you have to do is focus on the therapy that comes by being on that gorgeous pontoon, perhaps a beer in hand as well. But I am 100% a pontoon guy, and I look forward to being on a few this summer and getting the relaxation that Minnesota sports fans and therapists so richly deserve. Yeah, fans need the offseason too. And now through Saturday, May 6th, so you just have a few days here. It's your last chance to take advantage of the power sale at Power Lodge and Miller Marine. And during that sale, you can find uh, whatever boat or pontoon that's just right for you and your next Remember When family moment. Head to PowerLodge.com or MillerMarine.com to find a list of locations and get used to saving big. Because it all starts at the Lodge, PowerLodge.com. And a shout-out to our friends as well over at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated's been around for over 100 years, helping business owners maximize their level of success. If you're a next-generation business owner, maybe you're taking over a family business, maybe you're a a young business leader in a company, uh, Federated is here to help offer a guiding hand. So federatedinsurance.com to find a full list of industries they support and to find out more information. At Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, so I have a really geeky draft question, and maybe this is part of the reason why uh, you gave them a lower grade here, but it seems that the Vikings, instead of going for the higher relative athletic score, the higher Raz guys, the guys that wowed you with 40 times, and like Jordan Addison, for instance, 
he doesn't have a great 40 time. He doesn't really, he's not like six foot four, 220 pounds, runs a four, four forty. You know, he's more of a crafty route runner and so many other guys. It seems to me like they went with players that they thought jumped out on film to them as, as players and guys that could fit Brian Flores' scheme. You know, Kevin O'Connell, what he wants to do. Is there any merit to that? Is that, is that part of the reason why you maybe ding them that they just, you know, they, they really weren't going for the guys that might have the biggest upside with RAS scores? Uh, that's a little bit for sure. I mean, you know, athleticism data says, you know, it's especially certain athletic uh, tests for certain positions that that increases your odds of success. So sure that some of that's baked in there. And then like just circumstantially as well, because like the Vikings weren't doing as much projecting on just the athletic profiles, but they were projecting nonetheless, right? Like with Jay Ward, you're projecting that he's going to, that game's going to call it the versatility. The the tweener thing is going to turn into versatility with Jacqueline Roy. What you're projecting is we're getting the 2021 guy. We're going to turn back the clock there. And then the developmental curve will go up from there. And then the regression last year that that was just a fluke, you know? So like, I mean, they're doing some projected, but yeah, that their class was on the lower end of the NFL, just in terms of aggregate athleticism for sure. But to, to me, that's not as big of a deal because I know the guys that they got can play. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. So of the day three guys, Thor, potentially, who do you think if in any of those four could be playing in 2023? McBride, the last one that went. I, like, Let's I talk think, about him. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Talk about him. I, I think he can get into the backfield rotation right away. Wow. Um, and he might even be the early down guy for the Vikings next season. Because we know the Delvin trade cook, or the Delvin Cook trade is coming. <laughs> um, he, Delvin Cook's not going to be on the roster next year. And so then, when you think about now, you got it's Madison Chandler and McBride. I think McBride, McBride might be the best early down runner of those three guys. Now he's wow. definitely not a receiver. That's why he he fell down the board a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and his hands are a little suspect. Um, the, it, fumbling is the the one problem with him as a runner. So he, he right. has to clean up the ball security a little bit. But, like, just the skill as a runner, you would put him very high up in this running back class. He's an awesome runner. Um, he runs fearless is my favorite thing about him. And it's like this never-say-die kind of attitude where the, the ref's got to blow the whistle and he has to physically be on the ground or whatever, or those legs keep churning. That's, he how, also fumbles. Has, That's how fumbles Sometimes it's too. best He's to go down. down. Sometimes yeah. it is. AP. Yeah, and, and that accounts for some of it was, like, extra fighting when – who knows? Maybe he just should have given up. But, like, he's yeah. a die-on-the-sword player, which several of the guys – I mean, that was one of the ethoses of this class, I thought. Like, a lot of those guys they got are, like, die-on-the-sword kind of guys. But, like, I, I like the power McBride runs with, and he has more agility than you would think. You know, and, and maybe not the joystick stuff, but the stuff where it manifests to, so like, being able to change the defender's angle right when he's on your doorstep. So instead of kicking you a flush, it's off angle, and he's going to run through arm tackles. He, In terms of broken uh, tackles over his career, PFF chartered him third all-time in their nine-year history behind only Bijan Robinson, who some people might know, and Javante Williams, who was a really high pick a couple years ago. I think I saw him. I mean, this might be 
incorrect, but I'm pretty sure I saw his missed tackle rate last year was like 35%. Yeah. Is that yeah. so is he just and then some of the some of the tape you see he's got he's got a spin move, he's he's breaking arm tackles like Thor said. So when you if we assume there's a Dalvin Cook trade and there's been some steam that maybe it's it's a 2024 fifth or sixth round pick that they've been kind of sitting on for a while here. Um, so if it winds up being McBride, Chandler, and Alex Madison, Alex Madison, not a great pass catcher either. Can Ty Chandler, you know, he, I think Ty Chandler caught 19 passes once in college. So do they, I mean, do they have any running backs? I mean, Wong Wu hasn't really gotten any run outside of special teams. You know, Dalvin Cook wasn't the greatest pass catcher, but he, you could count on him for maybe 35, 40, 45 catches. Or does that part of it just kind of go away for the Vikings offense? Well, for me, it would be Chandler. And and some of that stuff is usage. Like, UNC like to use the one guy on the early down stuff, and then they'd like to bring in a, a different guy for, for the pass catching and whatnot. But I think Chandler would, would profile best at that. And Alex Madison, we know he can play on third down. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know that there was some regression with him as a receiver, but that's something he showed ability at, at Boise State. He's not the most uh, explosive guy, but, like, Alex Madison has very long arms for a running back, and he has fairly soft hands. So you got the catch radius with the hands thing. Not going to get the explosion, but I think he could handle uh, usage with that for sure. But, yeah, Ty Chandler would be the guy that I'd be looking at for that, especially if he gets usurped by McBride for the early down stuff. And this just – Judd and I have been talking about this for, for several years now, even going back to the Adrian Peterson days when we were doing you know talk shows on 1500 ESPN. This is the right way to go. Having a highly paid sort of Ferrari at running back is great if you've already built your house. If 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 you've got a house and a roof and and some bathrooms and some food in the kitchen, right? If you're the Niners, we've got all this stuff. Our lawn our lawn looks great. Our landscape. Okay, what what do we need parked out front? Oh, we can afford a Christian McCaffrey, right? But if you're the Vikings and you're rebuilding a defense and you're trying to find a number two wide receiver and you, you're trying to clear cap space. Clinging on to Dalvin Cook for $11 million is completely unnecessary. It's like your bathroom piping needs to be redone and you got a luxury car parked out front. You know, go get some, go get a fifth round pick for it. I, yeah, no, I, I agree. And yeah, I mean, especially with the, the cap room problems that the Vikings have. And you see a lot of these good teams go to the rotations of running backs as opposed to giving it to one guy that then you have to pay more for. It's sort of like in baseball with a closer, you know, where you're giving a guy a whole bunch of money because he just comes in for the one inning, whatever. Like some of these teams now, they use, you know, a couple different guys. And the Twins have done this in the past where they try to keep the money down in the arbitration for the young flamethrower. They'll give the vet, you know, some of the save opportunities, whatnot. But, like, that, that that's what I would do with the Vikings as well. And I'd never give out a second contract to a running back either. On McBride, to go back on this, how much of an issue is the fumbling problem? Because that really scares me. Like, like you just basically took my day and flushed it because <laughs> I have covered running. I, I mean, dudes, we've all seen it. You know, that you can be as tough as you want and you can run for as much as you, you want. But at the end of the day, in 2009, one of the reasons why the Vikings didn't play the Colts in the Super Bowl was because the running back struggled to hold on to the football. So what are we talking about? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it needs to be fixed. Yeah, mm. I mean, like like last year, um, and just in this draft class, the guys that had 100 or more uh, snaps, I think he, was, he had the fourth highest fumble rate for this running back class. And the guys mm. ahead of him, it was, was Tajon Henry, who was undrafted, Tyon Evans, who was undrafted, and... 
uh, DeAndre Hughes, who I was definitely undrafted. So. Judd's out on McBride. The ball, is, <laughs> the ball is the program, as Philip John <laughs> Fleck down the road from me right now says. Yeah, yeah, the, the program movie where they give they give uh, was it Omar Epps? I forget, but like the running back of that team, they, he had to carry the ball around it in class, and then if his teammates could slap it out and bring it to the coach, they get rewarded. McBride, whatever. yeah, McBride. When he, I'm sure he's come in, you know, when to sign your contract, come to rookie mini camp, whatever. He should be walking around the facility. Peterson home. Did. He he should be driving yeah. his car with a football and High figure tight. it out, dude. Figure it out. High yeah. and tight. Yeah. Well, one yeah, hand exactly. on the wheel. Yeah, but but if he fixes that, all the other stuff plays as the runner. Like, just the reliability. And like we talked about, some of that stuff is just fighting for the extra yards, which you don't want to take that instinct out of him. But, yeah, it's like, it's like kid, you got you to gotta hold that thing on tight two arms if you have to. Yeah. Uh, all right, we know you have to get going here, and so we'll, we'll, get, we'll get a couple final takes from Thor here. But another shout-out to our friends at the Meadows of Mystic. Look, if, if you're in the mock drafting community – Yep. It's time to exhale for at least a few minutes and book a tea time. You have earned it, Declan. 73 degrees on Thursday. Nice and sunny. It'll be beautiful at the Meadows at Mystic Lake. I might just have to book a tea time right now. Uh, go to golfthemeadows.com to book these tea times. It's finally open. You can go to golfthemeadows.com to stay up to date at one of the most uh, scenic and award-winning public golf courses in the Twin Cities. Go to golfthemeadows.com to book that tea time now. All right, Thor, give us a few final thoughts here just from the Vikings draft and then looking ahead here at because the roster is is basically set minus some confusion of what's going to happen with Zadarius Smith. We kind of know Dalvin's probably gone. I guess Zadarius and Daniil are kind of the big questions at this point next to Dalvin. But now that this has been pieced together, any final thoughts from you? Um, I, I think they're set up okay for next year in a world where the Packers are certainly going to be down. The Bears are certainly not going to be good again. The Bears will be a little bit better, but I, I don't think they've gotten up to the Vikings level yet. And interestingly enough, the Lions did not have a great draft class, despite the fact they had this metric ton of draft equity, especially because they made all these wonky decisions in the first round. The Vikings can feel very good about that, that the Lions didn't just stay in the sixth slot and take Bijan Robinson when they had the shot to and said they traded down and then they panic picked Gibbs when he, when Bijan had gotten taken at eight. So in terms of the rest of the division did not draft very well. Like if you look at my draft rankings, there the draft grades or whatever, like all those teams are at the Vikings level or lower. So um, like, you know, I, I think that must be said. And I, you know, I, I think going into next year, you at least feel decent about your ability to potentially compete for the the title. Yeah. Great stuff, man. Thor, I appreciate it. Hey, last thing from me, what would have gotten the Vikings to a C? What did they, what's one move? If you could go back and do it, your grading would then give them a C instead of that D plus. The the day three picks at the beginning, what, though, I just disagreed with those. I thought that there but was, was like one player. Like is it was it wasn't one guy, okay. but like yeah, but like you know, like for instance, with with uh, I keep I, I, Jaquelin Roy is that I what it is? Dex? I, it's either I, I always Jacqueline. Jacqueline. I've heard Jaquelin. Jaquelin. I've heard Jaqueline. They put out Vikings yeah. PR put yeah. out the uh, pronunciation. Jaquelin yeah, Roy, like that kid, I ranked him a little bit lower because I'm grading him on on last year's work, and then he, he didn't have the great athleticism score. But if he just goes back to the 2021 form. He like it's going to be an objective steal. If he had gone back to college, that's what I would have advocated. Sure. He was an early declaree after three years, but he struggled his last year. If he had gone back and just gotten back to the 2021 level, he's going on day two next year. So it's possible the Vikings got him at, at a draft date discount, but that's why I had to knock a couple of those guys down, and that's why their grade is a little bit lower. Yeah. Interesting. 
There he is, Thor Nystrom from Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros and the all-new Purple Daily on Draft Podcast. You can find anywhere you find Purple Daily. This has been so much fun the last few months, and uh, we're pumped to, to keep you on board here at Score North and on Purple Daily. And we'll definitely we'll get you on the main show here throughout the offseason as well, especially once some of these practices fire up. So, Mock Draft you, 2024 Thor. next week, damn it. Have it ready. Yeah, when you, when you put that out, you put a do you put a way too early draft out? We'll have some out this summer for sure. When we start working on those kids, definitely. Oh, and 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 I want the PFF to put out the 2024 mock machine because I'm already missing that we're not going to end an episode with the mock draft. I know. Put them put the machine out there. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, PFF. Ridiculous. All right, Thor. Thanks for uh, for coming on again and for all your insight every Tuesday here. And we'll see you on Purple Daily on Draft Man. Appreciate you, boys. All right, that's a wrap. Purple Daily. Daily Vikings Entertainment.